to our hearts, Lord. Thank you so much for Pastor Scott, Lord God. I pray that his words would not be his own, Lord, but that they would be yours, God. Just thank you so much for this church, for Hope Covenant, God. Pray that you would continue to bless it and to grow it and to, to create disciples, God. We love and we thank you in your name. Amen. You can have a seat as you're doing that. You know, we're in a series that we began a couple of weeks ago on I Am a Church Member from Thomas Rayner's book, and uh, we've encouraged all of our small groups to participate in going through the book. We've created questions for small groups, etc. But also, there's an open group that we launched that's here on Sunday evenings at 5.30, not this, this week, but the next two. And if you're not in a small group, or if your small group has been off for a while and you want to jump in with us, you can come in Anytime and be a part of it. We have a lot of fun. It's from 5.30 to 6.45. We've got child care for kids and some great fun stuff for them. So that happens uh, the next two Sunday evenings as well. But during that, as we go through this book, there's uh, six chapters, and we kind of broke it up to make four weeks, so we pulled a couple chapters together. I've asked several of the elders, different people on our elder board, if they would kind of come and share a little bit about the chapters that we're hitting that particular week. So I'm going to ask Lily to join me, and Lily's going to share with us a little bit about the two chapters that we're on right at this time. Thanks, my friend. All right. I think it's on there now. We go. Hey, hey, we, go. we have audio for second service. Good morning, guys. So if you don't have a book, this is what it looks like. Um, we still do have some copies in the office uh, if you currently don't have one. And this week we are... This week we are reading chapters 4 and 5. I will pray for my church leaders, and I will leave my family to be healthy church members. Um, prayer, of course, as you guys know, is ultimately very important. Um, we are constantly, you know, asking people either to pray for us or to pray for um, our nation, but most importantly, praying for our staff here at Hope Covenant Church and then also for our leadership here because they, you know, they, they carry a lot of... Um, they carry a lot of things that they need to, you know, minister to. So it's important to still cover them with prayer. Um, and then also um, leading our families to be um, healthy church members. Hopefully that's just a byproduct of um, modeling of what you guys do at home every day. But um, it's a, these two chapters are really short and simple, and um, they get to the meat of the, um, the point um, pretty, pretty quickly. But I did want to share a small little story about um, the power of prayer that uh, we experienced in our lives. So about five or six years ago, um, we have some friends who were going through some marriage issues. And um, Hector and his friend, my husband Hector and his friend, uh, decided that in order to help support them, um, that they would set aside a time once a week and they would get together and pray for this couple um, and pray for this um, marriage and uh, their, their ministry. So they consistently met for a year and a half dedicated to prayer. And, you know, miracles do happen. God does listen to prayer. And from that, um, the couple was reunited. Um, they had a renewal of vows. Um, they are stronger now than they were before. So it, it, it's a good testament to how consistent prayer can um, manifest in your lives too as well. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thanks to Lily. It is a great little book. It's just really wonderful reminders about what it means to really be a participant in the body of Christ. It's not necessarily I'm an official church member here, but it's really about what the role is and the responsibilities and the joy of belonging 
to being a part of the church. Um, just turn to somebody right near you right now and just say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. And actually mean it. That would be good too. Anyway, that would be a good thing. This is kind of one of those, odd, a little bit um, of an odd Sunday because it's my last one here with you. And there's sort of the bittersweet piece of that. I've, I've just I've loved being here with you guys over this last year. You've taught me a lot. And I've learned a lot of stuff with you and from you. And just appreciate so much who you are as a church. And I'm, I am delighted with the trajectory of the church, with Paul and Mary coming here and being a part of the church in terms of leadership and pastoral strength and all those kinds of good things, phenomenal stuff out ahead. So don't miss opportunities as transitions like this take place to really hone into those and, and become, just throw yourself into how God created you to be and, and who you are. And I, I just have some thoughts along the way today. I think the last service, I, I think I spoke for about eight minutes. I, anyway, I'll, I'll be a little bit longer. It wasn't super long, but just a few kind of reminders. But I thought about this um, about 10 years ago in the church that we were in in Colorado. I met a, a man, a younger man uh, named Billy. And Billy was a Down syndrome guy, great guy, incredibly fun guy. Um, uh, just had friends everywhere. Billy was actually um, about 40 maybe 44 or so when he passed away, and I did his service. But he was in the very first Special Olympics, and he was a swimmer in those. And when the, there were dignitaries there that were a part of that event, helping to launch it. Um, Hubert Humphrey's wife was there. Um, the Miss America of the time, she was there. And when races were over, Billy was more than happy to hug and kiss on everybody that was there, which was great. Um, but uh, he was a wonderful guy. But as a kid, as a child, um, his mom pretty much kind of abandoned him. Didn't really have much to do with him. He was in the house, but she didn't care for him very well and all of that. And, and kind of as time, and he got a little bit older, time went on. She kind of just sort of let go of him. And he was really raised by his, uh, his older sister, BJ. And BJ was a part of the church that we were in in Colorado as well. And Billy in his, in his room, when I'd go to visit him, he'd have, he had two life-size cutout characters in his room. One was Jeff Gordon, that was his favorite NASCAR driver, and one was John Wayne. And when he'd wake up in the morning, he'd get out of bed and he'd kiss each of them in the morning. And it was just, but great fun, really, really good guy. And he, he had this amazing way of, of being able to kind of assess people pretty quickly. And he had tons of friends, and almost everybody was his friend. But there were some specific people, only a few, that he knew somehow innately. He just sort of, he just stayed away from them. He was never going to crack that friendship barrier with those people. And, but, a, but a unique guy. And um, in, in Billy's life, I mean, I could tell you tons of stories, but in Billy's life, he created this list of 10 things to always remember. And we have this list uh, in, our, in our kitchen on our counter, and we see it every day, and it reminds me of him, and it is a phenomenal list. And I made that list for you. So if you're in your uh, program of stuff, there's a little list in there that looks like this. And it's Billy's list of 10 things to always remember. And they're good. And I just want to read them to you and say, do life like Billy did life. Do it with these things. The first one is, God can fix it. 
Isn't that good right there? I mean, that's like a sermon in itself. God can fix it. I don't know what's going on. God can fix it. Number two is uh, sing all you can. And Billy couldn't really sing a lick. In fact, in our church was a new church. We had just built the building. And I remember Billy would walk in with BJ, and they'd walk in down kind of the central, central aisle, and he'd get her situated, and he'd kind of get her to sit down just as he would you know, get her seated in her place, and he'd kiss her. Uh, he loved his sister, and she loved him. Then he would move over to a side wall up at the front, just off to the side here, just over here. And the, new, and the church had these big internal uh, uh, subwoofers in the wall. They built it in that way. And so when it was, and this church was cranking stuff. So when this church was cranking worship music, I mean, the wall's moving, okay? And so Billy, and you know, he's a little bit blind by then, but he's like, he would go and he would stand against the wall right next to the subwoofer so he could feel the energy and feel the music in the house. I mean, amazing, amazing stuff. Anyway, sing all you can. If you're like me, I don't sing that well, but I sure like doing it. Anyway, um, number three is, uh, is uh, dance all you can. Again, I'm not good at that. Jean's pretty good dancing part. She kind of dances for both of us. Anyway, but dance all you can. That's how we ought to live life, right? Okay. Uh, number four, um, do everything full of joy. Do everything full of joy. Five, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, six, tell people you love them. Tell people you love them. And Billy did that all the time. Great stuff. Seven, um, give lots of hugs and kisses. Give lots of hugs and kisses. Eight, uh, take care of your pets. Billy had lots of pets, but take care of your pets. That was major important to Billy. Um, nine, smile all the time. And ten, God can always fix it. If we were to live life like that, I think we would uh, discover a lot more the joy of life. What an incredible, incredible guy. I thought about this talk and I thought, you know, the things that I'd kind of like to just share with you uh, is really, um, what are the things that Jesus would want us to remember? What is it that he wants us to consistently remember about who he is? Because those are the things we want to live into, right? We want to live into the stuff that was important for Jesus. In the Gospel of John, Jesus uses these I am statements. They're statements about who he is and who he is in relationship to men and women, who he is to mankind in general, but who is Jesus? Who is he? And what does he say about that? So if you're following along with your notes, I'm just going to pull out several, not all of them that he makes, but several of the I am statements of Jesus. I'll go through them fairly quickly. So if you've got your notes, you might want to be following along with me. But these are the I am statements of Jesus. The actual words in Greek are a, uh, are a, a go a me. And a go a me is in an emphatic in the Greek. Which means that when Jesus uses these words, he's not talking about, well, this is just a good idea for you, or here's just something to maybe cruise on your thinking every once in a while. No, Jesus is saying, this is truth. This is who I am. I am God. This is who I am. So when he speaks these I am statements, they're not just good things to latch on to. These are truths from God for us about his character and his nature and who he is. So here's the first one, if you're following along. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, which is about survival. We know that bread is like the most foundational of all of the nourishing 
things that we need for our body. You can strip away all kinds of stuff, but we basically, if we get down to basic components, we need bread and water. Bread is huge. And, 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 um, and Jesus knew that about us, didn't He? He knew that we need the core essentials for spiritual nourishment as well. Jesus said, of all of the nourishing things spiritually that are around you, realize that I am the one that can provide that because I am the bread of life. Awesome from Jesus. It's fundamental. It's a fundamental element of the role of Jesus and all of His claims that He stands at the core of nourishing our soul and who we are. Bread is the basic food universally, and Jesus is the basic nutrient in all of spiritual life. And if you're not feeding on that bread, you won't be nourished spiritually. There you go. Number two, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, which has to do with direction. It's how we're able to see what's out ahead when there's light. Without light, we stumble and bumble around. The context of this is that Jesus had just healed a person who is blind. And he turns to those around and then says this. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Jesus had just heard that his close friend Lazarus was sick and ill. He just gets that news. He just gets that news at this point. And it's here that he's looking for direction. How do I help direct people in their walk with God? Jesus is telling his listeners that be careful about rejecting who God is. Be careful about not listening to what I'm telling you about who I am. Be careful because he knows that if you reject God's direction in your life, you'll find yourself in darkness stumbling and bumbling along the pathway. Jesus is saying to those people, if you want direction in life, follow me. I will light and illumine your pathway. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, Jesus said, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's Jesus' words. I am the light of the world for you. Here's the third one. Jesus said, I am the gate I am the gate. I'm the doorway. I'm the door. I'm the gate, which is about access. The context of this is that Jesus is talking about being a good shepherd. And in, in his day, there were shepherds that were not so good shepherds. He called those folks kind of hired hands that didn't see the sheep the same way that he did. But in those days, when they'd gather the sheep around and put them in for the night and they'd kind of be uh, cloistered around, there would be an opening and the shepherd would actually lay down across the opening of that sheep pen or that area. The, the shepherd basically became the gate or the doorway. They, they laid in that opening. And the only way a sheep is going to get in and out is to go through that shepherd. It's the only way. He's the only way to get access. And, and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Not I am a good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I am the only one. I'm the only access that you're going to get into this pen, into this kingdom, into God is through me. You've got to get through me. 
Not somebody else. There's people that will try to get across and steal a sheep or whatever, trying to get it, but they're not coming through the gate because I'm the doorkeeper to the gate. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is the I am of your life by being a good shepherd for you. He's the one that gives you access to God. It is through Him that we enter into the presence of God. That's, that's being the good shepherd. That's being the good shepherd. He's the door, the passageway. Others will come to kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that people would have life and have it to the full. Here's the next one. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Not just the door, but I'm the good shepherd. That's about security, isn't it? Jesus, when He makes that claim, I am the good shepherd in John 10, 11, He's contrasting Himself with other religious leaders. He's also speaking to that, as I said, there are some not so good shepherds, but Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. You can trust in Me. You can rely on Me. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. When the shepherd speaks, the sheep hear the voice. One of my favorite writers and speakers is a woman named Margaret Feinberg. And Margaret tells a story about going to visit a friend of hers who actually has a sheep ranch. And she went to visit her friend out on her sheep ranch, and when she got up the next morning after she'd been there, and they went out into the hillsides and the fields, and the sheep were scattered all over the place. And as they walked along and she talked to her friend, her friend just kind of whispered to her, and she whispered back, and they were having this little whispering conversation. And finally, Margaret turned to her friend and said, why are we whispering? And her friend said, because the moment I raise my voice, all the sheep will hear it, and they will all run to us. And that's what happened. As soon as she lifted her voice, all of the sheep everywhere came right and flocked around him. And then she said, and then Margaret said her friend just began to point out, well, this is Iris to this sheep. And this is what Iris is like. Iris is, is the one sheep that if there's any way of trying to get out of the pen or outside of the gate, Iris will be the first one nudging to try to get out. And this one here, this is Peggy, and Peggy's a little bit ornery. She doesn't like to share her food. She doesn't like all the other sheep quite around her, but she's also the most affectionate, and she'll be over here and close to me and lay her head on my lap. And she went one by one to each and every sheep, and she named all of the sheep, and she knew all of the sheep. Don't you think that Jesus knows your name? That he cares for you and for me more than he cares for sheep? We have a good shepherd. A good shepherd that knows our personality, knows our weaknesses, knows our strengths, created us as who we are because he loves us. He's the good shepherd in your life and in mine. I love that about Jesus. Hmm. The good shepherd. The good shepherd who actually lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says that more than three times in John's Gospels. Willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Here's the next one. Jesus said, I am... I am the resurrection and the life, which is about eternity. Amazing. It's about our eternal destiny. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm not just about telling you what heaven might be like or what eternity is like. No, I'm the one that is the resurrection and the life for you. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was dead, he made his way to Lazarus' house. And it's in this context that Martha says to Jesus, remember he, she said to him, Jesus, if you just had gotten here a little bit earlier, my, my, my brother, your friend Lazarus, wouldn't have died. Remember that? She confronts him about that. And Jesus says to her, well, 
Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and Martha's like, well, I get that. I understand theologically that that's going to happen down the road. There'll be the resurrection and all that. And Jesus, no, 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 Jesus said, I am. I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm it. And he proceeds to raise Lazarus from the dead. Just again, another proof of who he is. I can raise people from the dead. I'm the resurrection and the life. That's our eternal destiny, to walk with Jesus through that. That's a huge claim of Jesus, substantiated by just the amazing things that He did, but the way He loved people and the way He could raise somebody like Lazarus. He'll raise you up. He'll raise me up. He'll raise His followers up because when Jesus speaks, He speaks the truth, doesn't He? When he says he's the resurrection and the life for you and for me, he's talking about our eternal destiny and it's secure. We can trust him. We can trust his word like no one else. Here's the next one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which is about peace. The context of this is that in John 14, 6, Thomas is with a couple of the disciples and Jesus is expressing to them some of his thoughts And Thomas doesn't get it. He's kind of much like us. We don't always get it. Thomas's name is Didymus, which means twin. And Thomas is kind of that both sides of the coin kind of person. He's the faith side one moment, and the next moment he's the doubt side. He's the believing side over here, and then all of a sudden he's the unbelieving side. He's doing really good and having some spiritual highs over here, and then he's in some spiritual lows. And we're like Thomas. Let's admit it, most of us are kind of a twin. We kind of vacillate, don't we, around. And yet Jesus understands that about human beings. He's not about like you can't have any doubts. It's like what Jesus says to Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And Thomas goes, I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's a lot of things Jesus says, we just don't get it. We don't get it quite yet. But that's why we need to stay connected and growing in Him. Because Jesus wants to continue to teach us His ways. Jesus said, I'm the way. Follow the way I'm taking you. He also said, I'm the truth. I'm not just about the truth or giving you insights or teachings about truth. I am the truth. You can bank on it. What I say is true. There are a lot of people that don't like that about Jesus. They don't like that when Jesus talks about being the truth rather than just teaching about truth. But when he talks about being the truth, Being God, they don't like that. That's confusing to them. They don't like it that Jesus is the door, the one way to God. I didn't make that up. That's Jesus teaching about who God is. That's Jesus revealing Himself, and people stumble over that because they wish there was another way. Or they wish that He just talked about truth, but that they can't buy whatever it is. But Jesus said, you can bank on the fact that I'm the way to follow, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said this, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who said he was a poached egg, or else he would be the devil himself. You've got to make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up uh, for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
But let's not come with some patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Isn't that great? That's from mere Christianity. He's the one way to God. He is the one who is thoroughly reliable. And he stands in relationship to the truth like no one else is because he creates truth. Here's the last. Jesus said, I am the vine, which is about purpose and intent. Remember how Jesus said, remain in me, remain in me. He who remains in me and I in him, said Jesus, this man, this person will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. From John 15, 5. Leon Morris, a theologian, wrote this, it is an error to suppose that in the energy of the flesh that we are able to do anything that pleases God. For that we need the strength that he alone can supply. The condition of fruitfulness in Christian service is vital to being our in, our being in contact with Christ. That's why Jesus says, remain in me. When you remain in me, that's when fruit happens. Outside of that, you don't produce fruit. We remain in the vine. Jesus, who is Jesus? He's the bread we feed upon. He's the light to follow. He's the door to enter. He's the shepherd to guide. He's the resurrection upon which we put our hope. He's the salvation to trust in. And He is the vine in which we are to abide. Let me get a little personal with you right now. But if you pull it out on the back side, if you're taking notes, if you flip the back side of the notes around, you'll see all of those things listed with some blank spaces. Do you have that? Hold that up if you got that. Got that? Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. All right, so here's what I'd like you to do, just to kind of personalize for a moment. But I want you to insert your name in the place where that line is because it's Jesus really speaking into you. For an example, I would say, I am Scott's bread of life. That's Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I am Scott's bread of life. Just write your name in there. Whatever your name is. I am Gene's bread of life. Whoever you are. It's Jesus speaking right now. He's speaking to you. He's reminding you these are really important things for you to know with great assurance of who I am. I am your door. I am the light of the world. I am your light of the world for you. I am the door. I am Scott's good shepherd. I am Scott's resurrection and life. I am Scott's way, truth, and life. I am Scott's vine. Those are the truths of a Jesus who says, I am to you and to me. Well, let me just do a little postscript here as we wind up this morning. Um. These are some things as I thought about it that I felt like, you know what? These are things that Hope Covenant Church has taught me in my time here that I've really, really enjoyed. But what I remember in my time from you, here are some things that I would remind you of as, as well. These are things that I think you do really well. So keep at them. When the community needs help, people respond. 
When kids need shoes at San Marcos School, we bring shoes. When street light needs help, we help. When Matthew's Crossing needs help, we help. We bring food. We stand up. We're counted. When the Christmas morning we gather together for food assistance and to put meals together for people, we show up. We do it. We help to serve homeless people. And those are just a few. When financial support is needed, people give. When we need money to be raised to help kids go to camp, the church steps up. When we need people who are around in our area that need help physically, who are a part of the church or outside of the church, we have resources because people give into those resources through benevolent giving and special offerings and through the kindness of their heart. When people are in need, the compassion of the church shows up. When somebody needs something around here, needs help to do something or get somewhere, people show up and help. When it takes physical labor in serving, many arise to that occasion and help other people who have needs. When people need prayer, the church embraces them. Each Sunday there are people up here after each of the services ready and willing to pray with people. When we ask for people to pray with others, they do. People pray. I've been in churches where prayer wasn't such a big deal. Prayer's a big deal. We pray. And I commend you for that. That's great stuff. When the community is hurting, the heart of the church feels it deeply. We know when people are hurting in our community. We know when somebody's not doing well. That word gets out. We pray for them. We try to encourage them. People go and take meals and show up and give phone calls or text folks. People care deeply about one another here in the community. When you're alone, if you walked into this place, people would want to meet you and befriend you and embrace you and bring you consolation and encouragement in your life. You're befriended here. And when opportunities arise to study God's Word, many engage in it for spiritual growth. There are Bible studies going on all over the place. There's a men's group on Friday. There's groups going on all over the place. Couples groups, women's groups, all kinds of stuff going on. People who are hungry for the Word of God to make an impact in their life. You can find a place here. You can find places to grow here. And for that, I am really grateful. Now just on a personal level for me, just a personal words of thank you for these things. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor during this time and to serve you. I count that a privilege. I've loved getting to know so many of you, serving in whatever area, being here, being a part of the church, being encouraging at a very challenging time in the life of any church. So thanks. Thanks also for trying stuff. Maybe things you hadn't done before, but you tried. You went for it. Thank you for learning with me, for loving Jesus with me, for supporting me, for caring about Gene and our family asking about them. Thank you for doing that. For becoming friends with me. For sharing your lives with me. And for being the church. Not perfect, but for being the church with me. I thank you. Hey, let's pray together. God, thank you so much that this is your church. That you are who you are and that you are the great I am. And today, God, we, we are here in this place because of you, and we are so honored for all that you have given 
to draw us to Yourself. May we be sheep that hear Your voice. May we be those who rise to the occasion to know where we walk with You. That we don't walk in darkness, but that You light our path. That You're a God that shepherds us through. That You're a God that brings hope. That You're a God that brings the resurrection and real life. God, today, just remind us of the I am's of who you actually are and that we get to bask in that. Jesus, would you touch our lives today? Thank you so much that we can worship you and be with you. Thank you for the blessing of this community and may you walk with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. It, it's, it is a, an opportunity and a privilege in worship to share through giving a lot of people don't get that. They don't give. And it isn't about God needing your money. It's about being faithful. It's about trusting God with even little in God's hand. Maybe you've never given. Maybe you throw a buck in here and there, but maybe you're not looking to God and saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to just give to you. I'm going to give in faithfulness. That's not a heavy-handed thing. That's just an obedient person. Maybe it's your day to start giving out of the first that God provides for you. If you're a faithful giver at uh, here at Hope Covenant, great. Thank you. Thank you for the ways God multiplies those gifts and blesses our community and blesses us in ministry to serve God for higher purposes. That's why we're here. I'd invite the ushers to come and allow us to
find rest and peace and contentment in him and his presence would you know him and be known if you need any prayer there'll be counselors at the front um, please come stop by later and say goodbye to scott and Jean and thank them for their service here 